In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. The Girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Patty's mother was murdered, and Lisa lost her mother to cancer. This forged a bond between them that nothing could shake. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. Okay, religion, what about it trips you up? Okay, are we talking like uh, legalism, following all the rules, perhaps man-made traditions? Okay, a big one is guilt and shame and the judgment of it all? None of those that we feel, right? (laughs) Well, before we get too far into our show, you are listening to Girlfriend It Radio with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, where we rally you to do the remarkable through resources and relationships. We'll have more information about today's show and other tips and tricks at our website at girlfriendit.com. Well, and you can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Okay, let's go back to our original question for today, which is, What about religion trips you up? And unfortunately, religion does trip us up, and rightly so. And so how do we respond? Well, one way to respond is create a YouTube sensation that will generate over 20 million hits to get the message out. And I think that might be work. That might work. (laughs) That would work. Well, Why I Hate Religion But Love Jesus is a viral video created by Christian evangelist Jefferson Bethke. He uploaded his work onto YouTube and GodTube. The video has thus far received more than 20 million views. I think think our stuff receives about that much too, don't you? (laughs) The theme of the video revolves around the difference between Jesus and false religion. And he put this out in January. It received 6 million views three days after it was released. And shortly after, by January 23rd, the video was viewed over 16 million times. So that was just not even in a a month's time. It's crazy. So welcome, Jeff, to Girlfriend It. You've been a long-anticipated guest. We appreciate your time, and congratulations. I I hear you're an old married man of, like, a few days. (laughs) I am, I am. We just had had our two-and-a-half-week anniversary, so it's going awesome. That is me. Okay, so are you allowed to share where you went on your honeymoon? Yeah, totally. We, um, so we live right outside of Seattle and we didn't really want to just pick up and leave, you know, cause you're always so tired and stuff like that. And so we just drove you down are, to Portland. Really? For a- you're tired. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we drove down to Portland for a week and just kind of hung out and just kind of rested and, you know, went to coffee shops and bookshops. And then we, and then after a week there, then we went to Cancun for a week. So it was pretty awesome. Oh, I love Cancun and the white mm-hmm. beaches. Beautiful. Beautiful. Really, really pretty. Well, you know what, Jefferson? Okay. We're going to, we love a good story. And we know that usually behind anything that is done with success and that's significant, there is usually a powerful story behind it. There's the why behind the what of what happened. So we just want to we want to jump in because there's so we have so many questions. We are full of questions. Um, so what drove you to make the YouTube video? Why I hate religion but love Jesus. 
Yeah, that's a good question. Um, <clears throat> Thank you. I'm actually I'm actually writing a book um, on the topic right now. I'm almost I'm almost done with the first draft, but I was just going over the part where I talk about that. Like, why did I even? Why is this even an issue? Why is this even a problem? And I think it's because I was just getting sick of trying to talk to people about Jesus and having them always shoot back with something that really had nothing to do with Jesus. And so um, it would always either be, you know, well, I don't really like Jesus because I have to stop swearing, or I don't really like Jesus because I have to stop, you know, drinking beer, or I don't like Jesus because that means I have to hate my aunt who's gay. All these things that, like, didn't make sense to me. Now, maybe some of those things might roll out of a transformed heart with Jesus, and then some of them are just idiotic, but um, you hear them and you're like, that's not the core of the message, but yet I had hundreds and hundreds of people in college always telling me that. And so I was just getting sick of the people missing the core of the message, and then I realized that's actually Christian's fault. That's not their fault. If all these people are always saying the exact same thing, then obviously where did they get that from? They got that from us pushing that out. And so I said, okay. And so I started to notice in college that when I actually started to separate the two and say, okay, yes, there's a group of people who Jesus actually talked about who will look like followers of him, who will look really holy and devout, but are not even close to what he wanted. And then there's a group who actually is. And I started kind of separating them and highlighting them using the difference between Jesus and religion. I started to see that it actually started to get some headway, and people actually started to say, oh, I've never thought about it that way, and um, really push into Jesus, which is really all I'm looking for. Well, it's so interesting because what what drove you, that why, drives so many uh, Jesus followers. What we really want mm-hmm. people to understand, it's the freedom in Christ. It's it's not all the, like you said, when you're you're always defending it. And you know, mm-hmm. I, I grew up in a, a very uh, strong Christian home where ministry was a, a big deal and mm-hmm. went to Christian schools. And I found myself growing up almost trying to prove myself, I mean, prove to others that yeah. I'm cool. I, I'm not, yeah. the, not the Jesus freak. I can be, you know, mm-hmm. kind of edgy. And so you, you do. You're, but you found a venue that really put it out there that spoke volumes and it's yeah. just you. Obviously, you found favor in God because that's just wild for it to get that many hits. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, it's crazy, and it's. I mean, <laughs> I think um, because it got so many views, the actual people, the actual employees at YouTube and stuff like call, like contact you, which is kind of crazy to actually talk to the people behind the curtain. But that's what they said at the time of it actually coming out. It was the most viewed non-music video of the entire year. And so just to hear stuff like that is like, man, that's crazy providence, crazy favor, and I never would have <clears throat> guessed that in a million years. But I think part of it, too, is just the fact that um, we, my friend and I wanted to do it well. We wanted to do it with good production. We wanted to do it We wanted to do it at a level where even if the world disagreed with it, they still wanted to watch it because it's good art. And that's, I think, what Christians need to shoot for a lot, a lot more. Like, it's, it's very intriguing to see how many people tolerate harsh truth in good art today, but if it's crappy art, they don't care what you have to say, right? Because the world, the world hates truth, but likes art right now. And so I think we need to take advantage of that. And that is a really great distinction because so many times when you, as soon as you see a Christian label or connotation, you always go cheesy and you kind of think it's second rate. I mean, automatically, whether it's a movie or whatever, and we really do need to change that and start producing good Mm -hmm. art that will really grab people's attention, just change the perception of things done in the name of Christianity. Exactly, yeah. 
Yeah, well, I mean, because I think, I mean, I've thought about that a lot, and that's actually one of my biggest struggles, and I, there's a whole chapter in the book that I was writing about that, where um, it's almost, so So people consider, a lot of Christians consider it a sin to listen to secular music or something like this, right? But no one considers it a sin to make crappy art, but it should be. Because, <laughs> because but but theologically it should, because if Christians are put on this planet to simply be mirrors to the Creator, then we should have the most creativity if, our, if the Creator is our dad, right? And so mm-hmm. if we're not properly displaying who He is, then we're lying. Because like, if we do make cheesy art or if we do make copycat art, it's not called redeeming, it's called stealing. There's a big difference, right? Mm-hmm. And. And when we do that, we're reflecting that image upon God. And since that image of God isn't true, we're lying, and then that's a sin, right? Like, we're saying God's cheesy, God's a copycat, God needs our creativity rather than his own, and needs the world's standard rather than our own. And so rather than comparing ourselves in this little Christian subculture, like saying, a lot of artists nowadays say, I want to be the best Christian musician. It's like, no, just be the best musician, and I guarantee you, you'll have a higher level of excellence that'll actually be able to not only blow Christian music out of the water, but will actually penetrate the culture in a way where it's representative well there too. Well, and you know, I love what you're saying, because we're trying to just kind of unpack a lot of this, but it really goes to the heart of, you know, the why you you do what you do. And I love the distinction. If we're going to do it for the Lord, it needs to be done with excellence and with with the creativity, not copying, not, you know, counterfeit Mm -hmm. in any way. And, And yet, on the other end, you see a lot of people that that maybe aren't Christian, but they see, well, if I put the label Christian with it, with whatever I'm doing, I, I'll get a niche market. And and so their their heart's not really there, but they're doing it for the market. And then we are gullible as the Christian community, because all somebody has to say is the word Jesus or something sometimes, and we just go, oh, I need to buy all their stuff and get all their, their things, because they obviously are a believer. But And yet, so many people are just using that name, Exactly. Yeah, I think so it was. Like, um, it's really hard it was, to distinguish, I, and we are yeah. very gullible as a Christian. Yeah, I don't community. know if it was Rich Mullins or like Derek Webb, but I remember a quote where they said, um, "The word Christian attached to anything except for a human being is nothing more than a marketing scheme." Right? It's like mm-hmm. it just that that's just true. And is it does it shock anyone else that Christian? The Christian worldview is the only thing that's separated by its faith rather than its actual genre of music. When you go into a store, there's Christian music, but I don't see Muslim music. I don't see Mormon music. I don't see Jewish music. I just see genres of music, and then within that genre, they're having a worldview that might be Muslim, Mormon, Jewish, whatever. But I think because Christians, we've wanted to, we saw that there was some money to make. We siphoned ourselves off and just made a really big business out of something that I think um, shouldn't be made. And then what that does is that takes us away from being able to witness in the world because now we're in a section that no one's going to walk into rather than just being in a genre section. They pick our music up and it actually has a Christian worldview in it. And we do that with so many things too, not just yeah. music where we even go, oh, it's it's a secular show or it's and it's like, okay, just do a show. Just do a show that, exactly. like you said, that you're expecting God to show up and yeah. you're going to represent him in the best way you possibly can and, mm-hmm. and go for it. We don't have to continuously separate ourselves and then expect that we come along and people are our project. We're going to bring them along and bring them over yeah. to our side. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, I struggle with that. When I, was a, when I first became a Christian, I was that kind of guy. And so I can never push too hard because I'm, <laughs> I just remember me and my 18-year-old new faith just being that, you know, guy that's like, 
oh, that music's of the devil, and oh, you can't watch that show and that movie. And I was just super, I think, you know, the Apostle Paul said, deal without knowledge, you know, that was me. Um, and then, But the more you study, the more you see that that idea of difference between secular and sacred actually isn't a scriptural worldview. It actually rose out of the Greek Platonic view, where it says, you know, the body's bad and the spirit's good. And with that, that trickled all the way down into medieval times, where it then affected jobs, culture, music, etc. So now you have in medieval times, this Christian worldview that says being a pastor, theologian, or Bible study leader is actually better than being a stay-at-home mom, right? Well, Jefferson, and we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to be right back. Good. You're listening to Girlfriend at Radio. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Be here for Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Trisha will dig deep into topics that matter most to women, inspiring women to make a change in their own lives and to make a difference in the world, and maybe even deep within their own hearts. Trisha is a wife, mom, speaker, family expert, and author of 24 books. For more information on Trisha and Living Inspired, go to her website, trishagoyer.com. That's T-R-I-C-I-A-G-O-Y-E-R.com. Trisha's vision is to be the voice of hope and possibility for women of all ages. Her intention is to serve ordinary women by encouraging extraordinary things with God's help. Trisha expresses real life, real hope for real women. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Are you yearning to connect with those close to you who have passed on? Do you feel you'd be more at peace or more in balance in your life if you could only have that connection? Now you do. It's time for Alex Laws and the Alex Laws Hour. Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Central here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Alex discovered an incredible balance that allowed him to listen and receive messages from the other side. Not your traditional psychic medium. Alex has spent the last 27 years as an endurance athlete and entrepreneur. At the core of Alex's abilities is his knowing that in order to open one's soul to the universe, one must open their heart to being authentic. The wisdom Alex has shared from those beyond the veil has helped at an international level and changed people's lives and sometimes, too, their direction in life. Need help with your life or business direction? Tap into the spiritual realm of Alex Laws. For more information, check out alexlaws.com. Then join us for the Alex Laws Hour with Alex Laws. Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Central, here on The Rock. Star Radio Network. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. 
Well, welcome to Girlfriend It Radio, and we are speaking with Jefferson Bethke. We are talking about the difference between religion and Jesus, and I have to say, I actually posted your video, Jeff, when it first came out in January. A friend sent it to me, and I put it on my Facebook page, and I thought it was interesting at the response because I actually had a friend say, I can't believe you posted that on your Facebook page. And yeah. so, and it caught me off guard because I thought, well, why not? I, why not? I think I, I just assume everybody gets that, that your mm-hmm. relationship with Jesus is completely different than, than religion. And mm-hmm. then I realized this person, you know, they're not a, a Christ follower. So they were very offended um, mm-hmm. by some of the things that you had, had said in there. So yeah. how have you had a lot of that with the, just the critics? Yeah, um, obviously it's kind of toned down because it was more um, surrounding the actual buzz of the video the first month. But I mean, I've never, I've never received such criticism in my life. I mean, my email inbox. I mean, it's very. I'll, this, this, I'll explain it. It's very weird, and I don't know if most human souls are ready for when you're going to a site that you read every single day for spiritual encouragement, and then you're on the front page getting blasted. There's just something shocking about that. You know? it's like, <laughs> yeah. There's just something, there's something that just doesn't, you're like, whoa. You know? And that happened multiple times. And to be honest, it was kind of interesting because, that, because the video made its way onto the front page of every single secular news outlet, whether Huffington Post, AOL, Washington Post, Washington Times, like New York Times, everything. And pretty much the only critiques usually came from the Christian side. And so that was really tough, to be honest, um, to get so hit from family. Um, and that's all totally okay to be critiqued. But I think um, some of the tone and some of the, the online language is really, really tough for me, just being like, hey, I'm a real person over here, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, and, yeah, and I, what's so difficult with that is when, when it's the family, you don't you don't expect them, you, you almost expect the other side to, to have those yeah that tone because they, yeah. they don't get it. But when it's coming yeah. from family, you have higher expectations. And so it does catch you off guard, but you, you do find, unfortunately, that is the case among the Christian community. A lot of times we are the most critical and we're most vocal about it. And mm-hmm. we don't use the words very, <laughs> very sensitively when we're critiquing other believers. And it, it does break your heart sometimes because you go, okay, we're not fighting against each other. This is, we're not yeah. the enemy. It's, it's, it's so much bigger than this. And that's, that's what we so appreciate about your message and just taking the courage to get that out there. Um, backing up a little bit, how did you, you must have a background in production or video or something because mm-hmm. obviously that was the outlet you chose to get your message across. Yeah. Can you, what, what is your, what is your talents and what is your background and your passion with all that? Yeah, good question. Um, so um, early on in life, my passion was always sports. I played baseball all through uh, high school and then all the way through college, um, you know, paid the bills for me. And then, um, and then I always, I didn't develop the artistic gift till really like senior year of college. So just like two years ago, I didn't, I didn't write my first poem until just under or over about two years ago from, from now. Um, and yeah, I just really enjoyed it and really loved that outlet and started to cultivate and develop it. And then one of my best friends, um, is actually, he just, he's an insane videographer and he's actually really young. He's only, 20 he's actually one of my best friends little brothers and um and he, he dropped out of college and does it full time and just kills it and has a, has a really really big kingdom heart and kingdom mind and so we just kind of came together and said hey what do you say we just give this a run you know with a couple poems and a couple uh tries and so yeah it was no big production or nothing just his camera his life his equipment and you know no budget and we just shot it 
Well, I have I have two questions. I want to go back to the the critics, and I also want to know where you were. That house is it's that mansion that you're in front of. Yeah, yeah. Okay, did they use a green screen for that, or is that a true place? <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. It's actually um, it's actually um, a public high school in Tacoma, Washington. Isn't that kind of weird? That it's like public high school owned oh, by the state. Oh. Um, it used to be a hotel in the 1800s, and then I believe they went under. And the only person, the only people that could afford it was the um, education board in Tacoma. And so they bought it a long time ago when I, I'm guessing it wasn't that expensive and just has had it since. And it's actually become a landmark in the town and is really pretty and really beautiful um, to the point where actually uh, the movie 10 Things I Hate About You was filmed there, um, uh, which yeah. is a, a, really, a really fun movie. Um, and yeah, we just thought the reason we filmed there is because we thought it gave off the very old, archaic, yes. traditional, but at the same time, it wasn't a church. And so we didn't want to, like, we didn't want to film in front of a church and then have the church see the video and be like, oh, he hates us, you know, and that's not true. Yes. And so we said, hey, this gives off that view, but it's a public high school, so we're not going to get sued, so let's do it. That's awesome. You guys, re- it was so well thought out. Well, that goes back to, like you said, doing it in front of a church. What exactly... Did you get hit on the most with the critics? Was it something you said? Was it a specific sentence that you said in the poem? Yeah. Um, let me think back. Uh, well, well, the most difficult part for me that really kind of, um, what's the word, for, that just frustrated me, is how much the Christian community wants to debate over little semantic issues. So mm. um, I would almost go to say that 80 to 90% of the critiques had to do with my use and my definition of the word religion. Um, and that was just because they're like, oh, well, Jesus doesn't hate religion. Jesus was a Jew. Jesus went to the temple. Jesus obeyed the commandments. Jesus was a rabbi. And I'm like, well, yes, of course. Like, I can read a history book, too. Like, I know that. <laughs> but, you know, um, and so that was one of the most difficult parts is that people were people weren't giving me the benefit of the doubt. There's a lot of people who knew exactly what I meant, but didn't like how I said it. And so they just kind of felt like going against the definition. So that was really difficult for me because I'm, I'm more of the guy where it's like, Hey, just deal with my content. You know what I'm saying? Let's go to that, you know? Um, but then there also was some people who disagreed with the fact that, I mean, it's a scandalous gospel of Jesus to say that you are justified, redeemed, renewed, perfected and saved for free, even when you're probably doing something you shouldn't be doing. There's nothing you have to do on your behalf. And so, of course, I got that critique as well, you know, and and, and to be honest, I was fine with those critiques. I had to ask myself when I got the criticism, I had to say, okay, am I getting this criticism because I'm an idiot and because I said something wrong, or am I getting this criticism because I'm a Jesus follower? And that question helped me kind of sift which ones I needed to listen to and which ones I needed to just take. Well, and you're so right on it. When you talk about Jesus, it is a scandalous love that he has for us that we cannot even comprehend or begin to understand. And what we don't understand, we criticize. And Mm -hmm. I think that's really easy for, um, for people that are so caught up in their religion and they want the list of rules and regulations and that legalism, because then it can justify a lot of things. And, Mm -hmm. and so it, it, it is, it is sad that that is what they revert back to and they don't get the message of grace and, and, yeah. Jesus and the freedom that comes to that. And so thank, we just want to thank you for being a voice and getting it out mm-hmm. there in, in, in that way that really does get people's attention and, and it gets people talking. And that's what we need to be doing. You, uh, you yeah. mentioned reference earlier that even with that, um, you can't even imagine that I'm sure it blew you away when you put this out there, you're thinking, well, put this out there, get this message out there, had no idea 
um, the success and how it would yeah. go so viral in such a short amount of time. What was your expectation of doing this video? And or did you or did you just think oh, I'm just going to put this video out there? Or did you have any idea? And the reason I'm asking is so many times we do things now, and we're like, okay, I got to make sure I have the Twitter account going, the Facebook, the so all the <laughs> social media. I have to get all the marketing yeah. going before I get this thing. And so many times it stops us from just doing something God's put on our heart because we feel like we have yeah. to have everything. The, the right way or the proper way. Can you, what, what was your expectation? Yeah. So there really was, <clears throat> there really was no expectation. It was actually um, like, we didn't even think about how many people we wanted to see it. It was more like, let's make this video because we want to, just because we want to represent Jesus with our gifts and faithfully. Um, and so I remember taking a bet with my roommates that night when we put it up online, I showed it to my roommates and they're like, Oh, that's pretty good. I think that's going to get a, a decent amount of views. And they're like, okay, well let's bet to see how many views it will get just as a, you know, a friendly roommate bet and say, and whoever gets closest has to buy the person dinner or whatever. And, um, and I think the highest bet we got said that in 24 hours, the video would get 10,000 views. And then my bet was like in 24 hours, it would get 2000 views. And I think in 24 hours it's like 1.6 million. And so of course <laughs> we're not even like close to what we, you know, guessed, but I still owe that guy dinner, which kind of sucked because he was technically closest. But, um, um, so yeah, I think, I think exactly that you said it. I think too many times, now, this is a tough topic because a lot of times when you say this and people say, okay, yeah, let's totally, you know, we don't need to organize. We don't need to give, you know, this opportunity to cultivate all these outlets. They're just like, just let the Spirit of God do work. Now, that's true, but it's also a tough balance where you want to cultivate the soil as much as possible to grow if rain hits it, but you also need to understand that you're not the one bringing the rain. And so it's a tough balance where it's like you need to do your work in the soil but you also need to understand that sometimes you need to just sit there and let the rain come down and let the stuff grow because the power of God is outside of us and he has to bring it for it to do anything. And so it's a tough tension, but I think, yeah, I think sometimes we need to just go for it more and stop worrying about having all our ducks in order. Mm-hmm. Well, we get so caught up in how we're going to market things. And mm-hmm. our, our, I, I mean, there's one thing you, you, you know, in Proverbs, it talks about us, you know, working as hard as the ant. So you want to do your part. Exactly. But on the other hand, you can, you can get really caught up in the popularity contest of, of what's out there. And when you yeah. see someone coming along where God is literally just shine favor on, uh, yeah. because that was a message that needed to be out there. What's so interesting, mm-hmm. though, is that that message is out there in many different creative, innovative ways, mm-hmm. yours just took the top. <laughs> yeah. So it's, yeah, a little, little humbling. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, we're going to have to take a, a, a quick break here in, in a few seconds. And when we come back, I want to kind of go into how do you handle success? So many times yeah. people go, okay, that would be amazing to have 20 million hits that quickly. But then <laughs> there's also like, Oh my goodness, I have 20 million hits that quickly. So we would love to talk about that a little bit more. And then also you mentioned earlier about just the failures because we so many times we don't recognize on people's journey to success or effectiveness that there are it's lined with so many different failures. And yeah. and and we don't we don't talk about that, but that's where we all can relate <laughs> a lot of times easier. So when we exactly. come back, let's talk about those two areas. And we are going to take a quick break from our dialogue today with Jefferson Bethke, who created the video, Why I Hate Religion But Love Jesus, that has received over 20 million hits on YouTube. So as we go into break, what trips you up about religion? You're free to think about it. We'll be right back with Girlfriend at Radio. 
This is Girlfriended on Toginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. Are you happy with your life? Satisfied with the direction you're taking? More importantly, are you content with the results you're seeing? Then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Join host Brian K. Wright as he talks to experts in many areas relating to life success, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. Each week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. For more on Brian and the show, check out his website, briankwright.com. Each week is a dose of inspiration. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. Success Profiles Radio is a show that will clearly demonstrate the principle, if I can do it, you can do it. So don't miss this opportunity to take control of your life and your results. Success Profiles Radio with Brian K. Wright. Mondays at 5 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Holidays and celebrations get you down and leave you feeling frazzled? Then join Sandy Fowler and her guests on Heartfilled Holidays every Monday at noon, 11 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Sandy will help you discover the secrets to having the celebrations you've always dreamed of while adding fun and meaning to your life. From Valentine's Day to Christmas to special family events, Sandy Fowler will show you how to put the fun and meaning back into those special days by taking a look at what we can do to turn the upcoming holidays into cherished memories and show us how to allow it to intertwine with everyday life. For more on the show, Sandy, and to receive Sandy's Holiday Happiness Booklet, go to HeartfilledHolidays.com. Then get set to discover the secrets to creating happy holidays and happy everydays by joining Sandy Fowler and her guests on Heartfilled Holidays every Monday at noon Eastern Standard Time on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, we are having a delightful time talking with Jefferson Bethke, who was the creator of the YouTube sensation, Why I Hate Religion But Love Jesus. And Jefferson also has a new video called Counterfeit Gods, and it's um, it's receiving multiple downloads and hits as well. And just love how you are truly creating outstanding art, as you said earlier. Mm-hmm. For, for the Lord. And so we just, we applaud you for that. But we wanted to, before we went into the, our last break, um, we were kind of talking about, you know, how you get caught off guard sometimes when God just, he, he rains down his blessings and favors in unexpected ways and ways we can't even um, yeah. imagine. But even with you receiving 20 million hits from your YouTube video, with success, it, it can take us by surprise. And we're not, we say we want success so many times, but then when you have that kind of success, it is hard to navigate through and to manage that. How have you been able to navigate through that kind of success and also to get yeah. beyond it? Because because as we know, the, the path to success is also lined with little little failures that we don't always see in each other. But that's really what bonds a lot of us because we can relate to the, the things that didn't happen the way we wanted to on our way to the things that surprise us. Can you kind of address all that? That was a lot. Um, yeah, I'll try. Um, so, 
and let me let me tell me if I'm getting off course, but I think what you want me to kind of talk about is um well, first of all, I think we need to recognize, especially in Amer- in the American Christian Church, because there's such an entertainment factor and success factor to it. Um, that success is actually way more dangerous than failure. And, and in all honesty, I would rather fail than succeed sometimes because success is, we're very bad at how we receive it and how we navigate it. And on top of that, we never call anyone out when we start to see signs of them maybe becoming a slave to it. So I've, I've seen people brought before church discipline, you know, for maybe, like if the whole nation, like if I put out a video and the whole nation hates it, I have a good feeling that maybe my church might call me in and say, hey, we need to address this. But uh, if I make a video and everyone loves it, then I don't see church discipline bringing me in. And so they should. I'm not saying they should, but I'm just saying sometimes success can be more poisonous and way more subversive to the point where it starts to kind of the pride starts to get in our heart and no one's helping us and no one's addressing it with us. Mm-hmm. And um, so that was tough to navigate at first. But, um, but yeah, and then you want me to talk about just like kind of like failure and how to deal with that or more of the, the success part. Well, let's talk about a little bit more of, you know, people only see the 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 reel of all your highlights, and so yeah. you you have a tendency to go, wow, he went out with you know a couple of his best buddies and blew this video out, and it you know got twenty million hits. They don't see all the hard work and what it took to get to that point. So, yeah, yeah what are what are your um, lowlights? Yeah, exactly. Um, and that is the tough part. That is the really tough part is that people only know me on YouTube. And so to be to, to some degree, that's a different person because I'm usually pretty funny. I'm usually pretty like low key, just hang out. Sometimes I'm even introverted. And so when all they see me on these super serious like poems and then they meet me, they're like, oh, I thought you were more like serious. I'm like, oh, sorry. <laughs> you know, but um, <laughs> um, I think the counterfeit God video is a good example of, man, it's not as easy as it looks like we that poem, just with the nature of how we wanted to film it, we couldn't film it till it was pitch black outside. So we had to sit around till 11 p.m. And then we started filming and didn't get done till 6 a.m. And I literally fell asleep, like, on the ground, like, in between takes. And mm. it's, um, yeah, you just don't see stuff like that. And that, that stuff doesn't go on on YouTube. So it was tough. And it's, it's difficult. And sometimes you're like, man, I, could, I would pay anything to just be somewhere else besides doing this poem right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the biggest thing, too, is a lot of times people see those videos and they're like, oh, I want to do that. Um, and I, I see people who do that, and I'm like, oh, I want to do that. The issue doesn't – but we need to under, but when, we add, when we say that, we need to check our hearts because a lot of times we want to do that because either the views it got or because how good it looks when God wants us to do it just to be faithful. And that's the difference is if you're doing it for views or if you're doing it for production, those things will leave. And when they're taken away, then your false God is taken away to the point where you are in despair. But if you do it just to be faithful to your creator, then maybe it gets views, maybe it doesn't, but you're totally content because you did it for Jesus. And so I would say that, too, that's a big part of it, is you've got to do it for the right reason and, and remain faithful. Um, but it's not easy. I mean, I sit in my office, try to write poems, and I just sit there for five hours and stare at my journal, and it's like nothing comes out. And so it's a process, and it, it's difficult. And, um, and I think that's the tough part about our Facebook, Twitter, social media world, we only put our best foot forward. And I think that's really wrong. I mean, what would it look like if maybe, you know, people could see fully into you through social media? So, Well, and that is so hard, what you just said. How do you balance the the ego with your heart being in the right place? And, and I like how you even said, you know, when your body of Christ comes along and 
they might see that where they're able to go, hey, you know, you might need to do a little checkup here. And Mm -hmm. I I do think we all struggle with that because you can get caught up in what you just said. Are you doing it because you're being faithful to the gifts that God has given you? Or are you Mm -hmm. doing it because all of a sudden this this feels really, really good? And it's it's Mm -hmm. easy to to not know where that line is. Well, and the success can become a drug of choice, you know, where Mm -hmm. you just... You, you, the recognition and the the positive feedback, all of that can become a, like a drug, addictive drug in our life. And you, you just see that around it. And we all have to guard against that, that we are truly doing it to be faithful and for the right reasons. Allow God to multiply and expand um, where he yeah. wants to go. Yeah, and I think, um, I think especially in my generation, something that a lot of pastors aren't addressing, but I think is huge, is the approval of man. So statistically, Mm -hmm. my generation is the most fatherless generation that's ever lived in the history of mankind. And so with that, there's a price, right? And I think that price is we, my generation is a slave to just people telling us we're good enough, telling us we're awesome, telling us we have what it takes. And because of that, we're willing to sacrifice things we shouldn't sacrifice for that, for the approval of man. And you can tell you're addicted and a slave to the approval of man if when someone critiques you, you're more than hurt. You're absolutely depressed, right? When your idol gets jabbed, that's when you know you're actually, you know, you have a God there and you have a false idol there. And so I think in my generation, that's something we need to talk about more is, man, the approval of man is one of the biggest religions in America. Yeah, that is definitely a God we serve is to be... Mm -hmm. A, a pleaser of man, and I, I like your your thermometer there. That you can you kind of get a little bit. You figure that out when you do get critiqued. Are you looking at it? One of the things Lisa and I always say: if we're being critiqued by someone who knows us well, then it's you know we definitely need to to take note. It's different when you're getting critiqued by someone that you don't respect that just wants to breathe into your life and they haven't earned it yet, but. Mm-hmm. When others are, are giving you, you know, some great information and we have a tendency to be irritated and, and like, ticked off and depressed, you, you have to take note. God's trying to breathe into you and you don't want to hear about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. And I think, um, I think it was A.W. Tozer who said, people only defend idols. God doesn't need defending. And so if there's defending happening, it's probably an idol. And mm. that's kind of true where it's like, um, if someone critiques me and they're right, that I need to change, and I need to not defend myself. If someone critiques me and they're wrong, well, then they're wrong, and I don't need to defend myself. And so it's kind of the double-edged sword where because we are free in Christ and because He's already taken our shame, our guilt, risen us with Him in Christ, man, if they're right, then just take it and move on and grow. And if they're wrong, then take it and move on and grow. And so there's really no room for defending yourself when you're a Christian, and there's something really beautiful about that when you see it in today's culture because it's so antithetical to the world views out there. Well, and and, and this is a whole conversation. This is a whole hour show right here because I I really do think, just like you said earlier, when the family, when other fellow believers are critiquing you, it's hard to know, okay, did I just get critiqued because I'm being a little edgy? Um, I'm I'm stepping out into what I feel that God has called me to do, but other people see it as... um, that that isn't what quote unquote you should be doing as a Christian, and you have to surround yourself with people that you trust and their wise, godly, you know, decision makers to to be able to differentiate because you got hit hard by a lot of other mm-hmm. Christians. 
difference. And so mm-hmm. which voice, how do you know which voice to listen to? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think the biggest part of that is, um, is, is this, like what you said, um, centralized community in a sense that has that because they know you enough, they have authority over you. And so praise God that I have a big group of older godly men and women above me, both in my church as actual governmental elders and outside it's just aunts and uncles in, in, in Christ um, who can help me navigate those paths. So God makes it pretty clear in scripture that, he places people above us in an authority position who will be accountable for us. Like that's kind of weird to think, you know, probably maybe even happen when, you know, like when I get older to someone else. Um, and so I know that God ordained a group of people above me to be accountable for me who are going to serve me in that realm where they're going to call me out when I need it. They're going to critique me when I need it. And because I know they're there speaking on behalf of God, I don't argue, right? There's no, there's no room for arguing when you, when you know it's actually Jesus speaking. And so, um, and so I listen, I listen and, and, and maybe if there's a critique that comes in from the outside world that I'm struggling with, I take it to them and say, what do you guys think? Do you think there's validity in this? Do you think I need to address this? And so that's what it comes down to is don't live in isolation. I can't, that's the one thing that bothers me about my generation and Jesus is they just want to live like individual Christian lives. And it's like that literally is impossible by the New Testament standards, right? It's like Jesus created the church, he created community, he created elders, he created the body. And, you know, if a hand, you know, breaks, then blood vessels and white blood cells from other parts of the body go to help that hand. They don't just stand off and say, ha, sucks to be the hand, (laughs) you know? And so um, that's what I would say is, man, you just have to have that community aspect and with that, they can help address ones that come from the outside. Well, I love it because you have to really open yourself up to accountability, be willing to um, allow others to speak into your life and not be you know, so proud that you're beyond all of that. Well, Jefferson, we're going to take a quick break. And um, there's, a, there's a saying that Gandhi said. It says, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. And we're talking today about, you know, re- why I hate religion versus Jesus. And that really ties in because so many times people are not against Christ. They're against the Christians who represent Christ. And that's something for us to really, really think about. So as we go into a break, just kind of think about, does your, do, does your life reflect and represent Christ or is it more about religion versus the relationship? We'll be right back with Jefferson Bethke as we talk about why I hate religion and but why I love Jesus. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. Second Chances. We all deserve them. And we are all worthy of them. Second Chances. With your host, Midge Noble. Thursdays at 8 p.m. Central on Togginet is like coming home to warm, fresh-baked cookies. A hug from Grandma. Or an enthusiastic greeting from your dog. Second Chances, hosted by Midge Noble, a licensed professional counselor, is affirming, warm, genuine, validating, and thought-provoking. Second Chances is a place to be heard, a place to laugh, a place to cry, and a place to be seen. 
For more on Midge and Second Chances, check out MidgeNobleSecondChances.com. Then be a part of a show that will change how you think, how you feel, and what you do. Give yourself the gift of Second Chances and see where it will take you. So take a deep breath, open your heart, open your mind, and join host Midge Noble for Second Chances. Thursdays at 8 p.m. Central on toginet.com. The IRS can and will track your income. Can you? It's time to bulletproof your taxes. Yes, bulletproof your taxes with host Nellie Williams. Fridays at 1 Eastern on the Rockstar Radio Network. As a business owner, you know that tax deductions can lower your tax liability. But deciding which expenses are deductible and how to claim them can be confusing, frustrating, and ultimately costly when you're wrong. Former IRS audit supervisor Nellie Williams will help you learn what is deductible and when to take that deduction to avoid raising IRS red flags. She'll teach you how to survive an IRS audit so you don't have to pay more tax, interest, or penalties. Each week, Nellie will be here to teach us as entrepreneurs and small business owners how to pay our fair share and not a penny more. Check out her website, BulletproofYourTaxes.com. Then join us for Bulletproof Your Taxes with host Nellie Williams, Fridays at 1 Eastern on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, we are wrapping up our time with our special guest, Jefferson Bethke, who is a huge mm-hmm. Jesus lover, but not necessarily a fan of religion. And Jeff, you are continuing on your campaign to change the way people view Christianity. And one thing I wanted to talk about in your beautiful poem that, that had so many hits out there, I hate religion, but I love Jesus. You talk about, there's this, uh, uh, you have to really be listening, but you talk about going to church, you know, on one night, and watching porn the night before or something like that, which mm-hmm. struck a chord with a lot of people that you can share your brokenness and be so authentic. Um, how did you feel about being so vulnerable and throwing that in there? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think it was, it was, I just didn't think twice about it, to be honest. Um, when I first became a Christian, I did. I didn't want to share my struggles. I didn't want to be honest. It seemed like everyone kind of wore these masks. And I didn't want to take off the mask. Um, but, but about two years in, I just realized that's where grace is so potent, beautiful, and that's where you can receive it, first of all, and also give it out. So, so I mean, if we think about wearing, like, all of us like to wear masks. We like to hide behind this mask. The problem with wearing masks is when God tries to throw his love at us, it doesn't get us. It hits the mask. And it's the same way with, like, paint, right? So if I'm wearing a mask and you guys are paint at me, a mask gets paint on it, not me. It doesn't matter how good the paint is. Etc. And same thing with love. It doesn't matter how good the love is, how unconditional the love is. Until we take our mask off, it, we can't have that love penetrate us. And so we need to be vulnerable to first understand love, which is huge. When you're vulnerable, there's a, you can be rejected, but at the same time, love is so beautiful in that moment. And then secondly, um, I think just because we Christians, we need to understand that for us to be a witness in this world, we need to show that Jesus is our righteousness and Jesus represents us. I mean, think about that. We're the only group in the entire world, religious or non-religious, who doesn't represent themselves. 
right? A Christian Orthodox view is that we're married to Christ, Christ is in the heavens, representing us as our husband, looking at, looking at God the Father and saying, they're mine, they're new, they're clean, they're forgiven, everything that's true of me is true of them because I married them. So we're the only people group in the entire world who don't represent ourselves. And with that, that should mean we should be the most vulnerable and the most messy because it doesn't represent us. So we can be that honest. We can share our struggles because it has nothing to do with our standing before God when everyone else thinks theirs does. And so we need to get back to that, in my opinion, because it's so, like the Apostle Paul says in Corinthians, when you boast in your weakness, it shows God is great, and that's what we're here for. If you're not vulnerable, it shows that you want the glory, not God. If you're not honest, it shows that you want to get the credit, not God. But when you're honest and you struggle, people say, oh my goodness, that's weird, first of all. And second of all, how can you do that? You must have a really big, amazing God. And so that's what I would say on that. It's just, man, that's a, if you're not doing that, you're missing one of the core aspects of the Christian faith. Well, there, there's a lot that was just said in that to, to just really, to really think about and ponder (laughs) and love the insight. Um, and it really just come down to risking and in a relationship, especially relationship with the Lord, if we really do love him and really Mm -hmm. want to honor him and really grasp that it, it is being willing to, to risk like you did and putting it out there going, here's my brokenness, here's my messiness, but it is not about me. It's about God redeeming and restoring and healing and allowing him to get the credit and to get the glory, but it is risky. And, and like you, I love that mass thing. It's like when we have that, that facade and God can't, it can't attack. And we are so good at wearing masks, especially that's one of the things that Patty and I, when we speak with women and go, we have learned as women to create these masks and they're beautiful masks that we have been working on for years and years and years, but we can't get be, you know, we can't break them to see what's, what really lies underneath. And at the core, each one of us is just a heart that just it's longing to be loved and to be valued and to know that we are worthy. And so just getting this message out is just, it's, it's powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And, and the thing with the mask too, is it's a double-edged sword where even if we are receiving love in our, in our actual depths of our soul, we always say, well, man, they don't, they don't love the real me because they only love the mask me. And so if they knew the real me, they wouldn't love me, you know? And so even when you do receive love, you don't feel like it's authentic because you know they don't know the real you, and so you think that if they knew the real you, they wouldn't love you. But there's a risk taking and taking off that mask. It takes a lot of courage to take off the mask, um, and you have to be really vulnerable, and you have to have the option to be rejected. That's you know that's one of the core tenets of love. But the beautiful thing is God never does reject us. So maybe humans might, but when we take off that mask, God promises according to His nature that He's just going to come rescue us, redeem us, and and save us. Well, and I think many times we don't want to take off that mask because we don't want, if, if I expose my failures, that's going to be my identity. And Mm -hmm. I think that's difficult too. And then we also judge people who take their mask off everywhere they go and they almost Mm -hmm. play that victim role where you're like, oh no, here she's coming and her mask is off (laughs) and Mm -hmm. I'm going to know everything that she's been exposed. So it's finding that balance as well. When you exactly. are exposing, you know, some of your struggles and, and the brokenness uh, that's there. Yeah, no, totally. And it's like, yeah, it would, um, there's just so much joy that we don't get. There's a lot of joy in being broken and vulnerable. And that's exactly what, you know, David said in the Psalms where God doesn't want our sacrifices. He doesn't want us to offer anything else on the, on the altar. Jesus already did that. He just wants us to be broken. And I think we missed that. 
Okay, I have to ask you, have you considered, like, did you ever go, I want to go into ministry and be a pastor? Uh, <laughs> did you ever feel uh, like yeah. that was your calling? Uh, yeah, um, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I still struggle with that. Uh, I think about it, and I pray about it and all that. Um, right now, I'm actually, me and a good friend of mine, um, he started a couple years ago, but we just relaunched it this year, where it's like a college group ministry, and so it looks similar to a church where we have Friday gatherings, we have uh, we call them fight clubs, but they're pretty much like small groups. And then we do, you know, local service and all that. And so um, we just started that. So I, I switch off teaching every Friday with him, and we do that, and it's enjoyable. But, um, yeah, I think i got to get some uh, years under my belt before I, I want to maybe start thinking about the pastor role. Well, my son is in college. You guys need to consider maybe even doing this on Skype or some mm-hmm. type of Internet where more people can – plug in because that's such a needed area there because there's not a whole lot offered for college kids. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's one of the reasons we started it is, um, is we just saw a gap and we wanted to fill it because one of the, one of the work, I mean, this isn't always true, but a lot of times churches don't invest anything Mm -hmm. in college students for two reasons. One, Mm -hmm. because, um, they don't tithe and a lot of churches sometimes can get caught up in who's in, in investments. And then secondly, because they're going to be gone in four years, why would we pour into them? So that's not always true, but we've noticed that with churches around us sometimes. And so we want to try to fill in that gap. Well, I love just being intentional with that, with that generation, because like you said, your, your generation is, it's so different than our generation. It, you, you intuitively have had to, you, you understand the social media more. We've had to adapt to it and learn it. Mm-hmm. It's more intuitive to, to you guys and just how to, to use all of that. Okay. Just in the few minutes that we have left, what this whole thing, religion versus Jesus and getting people to truly understand, to dispel the, the, the elements um, and the regulations of religion and just truly embrace that radical love of Jesus. How would you address that to people that are on that journey, trying to decide and to really see themselves as lovable and, and to understand the powerful love of Christ? Hold on, can you kind of re- rephrase that? I, 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 I'll well, often, no, I, I think it's one of those things that you go, okay, I want to understand that Jesus, and I get that his love is so, you know, scandalous and so powerful, yeah. but how do I make that personal to me? How do mm-hmm. I really grasp that and live that and, and get rid of some of the, you know, I had I was sitting with a, a young gal just the other day that came out of a very legalistic um, background, and she was asking me, you know, what does God think about me even having a cigarette or or, or drinking a glass of wine? Or you know, she had all these rules that she had been told that you know, am I is God upset with me because of that? So I think there's so many of those rules that we have just grown up with, and just going, what rules do I let go of, and how do I truly embrace that love of Christ? That and that's where the freedom is. Yeah. Um, let's see. I mean, there's a few things. The biggest things that help me is, like I mentioned earlier, community. Um, if you're living in isolation and you're not living in a grace-filled, Jesus-loving, Bible-believing community, then, yeah, it's going to be very difficult because um, that's just not how we were created to live. Um, so I would say that. you got to get plugged into community. And secondly, just marinate in the gospel. Like, the, one of the biggest injustices American Christianity has done is they have said that the gospel is elementary and that it's only needed to raise your hand, save you, and then move on to deeper theological waters. But you never see that in Scripture. You see the gospel being the fuel for your entire life. Romans one sixteen says the power of God for salvation to all who believe. So there's the power right there. And then you also see 
in, um, you know, 1 Corinthians 15, where Paul says it is, you know, you have been saved, you are being saved, and it is what will save you. So he has kind of this past, present, and future tense to the gospel. And we just need to understand that, that the gospel comes first. You are saved, you are redeemed. And, and when I say gospel, I mean that the death, burial, your burial, and resurrection of Jesus declared to you with a lot of truths and promises. And so that's something we miss out on is it's nothing we do, has nothing to do with what we do. You know, like the law, the law is what we do for man. The gospel is what God does for us. And it's scandalous, but he has done something for us. And Jesus is like the eternal paper boy coming down, just declaring something on the front page of the eternal newspaper saying, hey, it's done, like you don't have to do anything. Um, so I would say just marinate in that, marinate in the fact that he said, it is finished. That was the last thing Jesus said before he died, and he meant it. Like, do you really believe that? Or do you think that when he was on the cross that he meant it's 90% finished, and now if they repent, raise their hand and follow me forever, then it's finished. No, I said it's finished. And, and when you get that Jesus-central theology, man, it just starts to really start this fire in your heart. And, um, and yeah, and the, the fact that grace is free, totally free, totally given, and if you try to earn it, it no longer becomes grace. And so um, that's humbling, but it also, when we understand it, it does something in our heart that's really awesome. Well, we just want to say thanks again, and we we hope for our listeners out there that our time with Jefferson Bethke has challenged you in some way in your own thinking about what true religion really is, and and that is a relationship with Jesus. And we can get so caught up into all the rules and regulations, but to, to really have that relationship and understand that there's freedom in Christ. So we want to leave you with a couple of words from Jesus that doesn't follow all the religious rules, and that's um, found in Luke 10, 27. And you have a great week. Once again, thank you so much, Jefferson Bethke. Hey, thank you. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriend It, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the show.